Which brings us to our new segment. Wait, what? <laughs> that was terrible. Let's try that again. Welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, a podcast just about having fun, skiing, and riding. I'm your host, Jeff Shawman Shaw. It is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020, and we're recording live from Meadow Lane Studios. Today's episode will feature some familiar segments, Shutdown Survival Kit, Good Ski News, Winter is Coming, All Updates on the Upcoming Winter Season, More of Your Listener Questions, A New Segment Called Wait, what? And the return of a game, which I call C10 Question Trivia. So sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding. Powderhounds. Our first chair segment is another shutdown survival kit. Basically what I've been doing to get by during the shutdown. Boiling it down to three categories. Activities the mental, emotional, and physical sort, and of course, food and drink, the F&B of the mountain. Now, on the activity front, my family and I got into a pretty intense game of online trivia, courtesy of Trivia AD, on Tuesday. It was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Trivia. That's right, that movie you, along with millions of other people, watch once a year for as long as you can remember. Now, the stakes were high. Bragging rights were on the line for the next four months. So we took it seriously. My brother Mike and I were actually tied going into the final of three rounds, and I made a major misstep. I mixed up the Ellen's, grand, uh, Ellen's mother's name, the grandmother, uh, the character name is Frances, but I remembered her real name, Doris, the actress's name, and she also played the grandmother on Everybody Loves Raymond, and that one misstep was the difference in the final score. So congratulations, Mike. You are the trivia champion. I will just ignore any reference to the result for the next four months. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Mike, he actually... Is going to be running the virtual Boston Marathon next week. It's the designated week since the race went virtual that all participants are expected, encouraged, you know, begged to uh, to complete the uh, the the challenge. And I wish him the best of luck. Hope it works out okay. There's a chance I may be able to meet up with him if he ends up coming up this way to the northeast and be a bike pacer, potentially a lead blocker through some intersections. So we'll see if that works out. Maybe I'll report back on that on the next pod. 
But I also wanted to comment on music, another essential survival kit solution. Now, if you've listened to the Powderhounds podcast before, you know it's a pretty basic shop. The artwork for this episode alone is a testament. (laughs) Now, the music cut at the introduction probably threw you for a loop. But one of my daily activities, pandemic or not, is listening to music, preferably live versions of songs on the various streaming platforms, and believe it or not, some good old-fashioned CDs. Millennials, I'll explain to you what that is some other time. Now, again, I grew up in the 90s, so you know the music scene was Green Day, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, STP, Dave Matthews Band, Fish, Oasis, uh, Goldfinger. Um, wow, that was actually a really good era. Um, and the pandemic has actually given me a lot more time to fire up some old CDs and just go searching for old versions of songs I remember uh, and old live albums. And it's just been uh, a lot of fun. And it actually reminded me of a David Letterman quote of all people who during who gave the opening remarks to Pearl Jam's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a few years back. I'm going to paraphrase what he said, otherwise I'll probably butcher it. But he basically said, don't wait to see live music because you never know when it will be gone. And no other words could be uttered that would be more true than that. So I certainly noticed missing out on live music this summer. I hope that that we'll have the opportunity to do that again next summer. And uh, But this segues nicely with that opening cut because on a recent run, that's another, I guess, activity, but uh, I was blasting that tune. It's the Jimi Hendrix song, uh, Voodoo Child. It's actually the Eric Clapton, Steve Winwood version from 2017 MSG. And so I don't use headphones when I run just to, you know, not to sneak up on people so they can hear me coming. Uh, I was approaching this middle-aged gentleman across the road, but once he got wind of the tune, he literally started singing along, stopped in his tracks, and just started kind of like jamming out and dancing, and it was really, really funny, and uh, it was just a really good laugh and a good vibe in this strange time. So uh, yeah, Voodoo Child, blast it on your next uh, run, bike, paddle, whatever it is. Uh, Moving on to the uh, F&B on the Eats front, I want to comment on avocado toast. I will admit it is delicious. Thank you, millennials, for your innovation. But you're doing it wrong. This is how you do it. You get your avocado, your schmear on a sourdough, assuming it's toasted bread, and then you dice up a little red onion, a little fresh tomato, and here's the real kicker. Some wild arugula, a little dribble of olive oil, and dash of salt and pepper to finish. I guarantee you there's nothing better to start your day with, or end your day with for that matter. Uh, also, I did have celebrate actually a birthday, which I'm going to comment on in momentarily. And I'm usually, when it comes to sweets, pretty simple guy. As, as an example, for ice cream, I usually go vanilla soft serve if I have an option. But, you know, it was a big day, so I decided to go a little bit bigger. Went with the ice cream sundae and did the whole thing. The works, the whipped cream, the caramel, the fudge, little Reese's topping on, uh, I think it was, yeah, cookie dough and Oreo. So a lot of different flavors going on. And uh, let me tell you. That was a childhood joy that uh, someone in their late 30s really hopes they can replicate again because, um, yeah, sometimes you just got to go big or go home. On the uh, beverage front, this was actually 
uh, just uh, just uh, delicious, the most one of the best tasting beverages I've ever had. I went with the good old fashioned uh, transfusion, a absolute must have and drink on the golf course. Maybe after the golf course, but certainly if your round's not going well during uh, the activity. It is uh, vodka, ginger ale, some grape juice, and a slice of lime on ice. Absolutely d- delicious. The origins go way back, but it did make a, well, took center stage at a recent tuning cup, the annual destination golf tournament trip that I go on every year and it also made a recent feature in golf magazine it's part of my reading and uh, I had reason to I had everything and I had reason to celebrate because I shot a career best 41 on my way to a career best 86 on my birthday of all days so cheers and thank you for uh, that idea the transfusion. So there you have it, the latest Powderhound approved entertainment. Which brings us to a new segment. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, it's still a work in progress. This new segment started as my reaction to ski area leaders commenting about the upcoming season, though my take is much, much more local and mainly off the mountain. Uh, exhibit A Park and Oak Restaurant. One of our favorite restaurants in town decided to close its doors, and that is absolutely sad and disappointing. But in their outgoing interview, well, we were indirectly referenced. Quote, Park and Oak, the American comfort food restaurant, which featured a popular array of southern dishes like shrimp and grits and chicken and waffles, has officially closed its doors. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes, shrimp and grits. Chicken and waffles, that's literally our favorite dishes at the restaurant, and that is uh, just sort of really uh, sad that it was reinforced in the final article <laughs> that covered the restaurant's run. Exhibit uh, 2, or B, I forgot if I did 1 or A, is I was reading The Economist, another magazine. I guess I'm going back into time, the 80s, 90s. But uh, And I'm not trying to be snooty here, just literally this is a great example of... Uh, this segment. And quite frankly, I've had more time to read uh, doing, during the shutdown. But uh, so the same day, so I just read that you know restaurant closing article, I came across another article and by a familiar columnist who goes by pen name Lexington, and it just blew my mind. Quote, pent up in suburbia where a third of Americans lived in 1960 and over half today, families have been rediscovering the 1950s combination of board games before kids go to bed and cocktails afterwards, though sometimes before. Sales of Scrabble patented in 1948 and liquor are through the roof, end quote. Wait, what? That's right. If you tuned in to the Summer Solo episodes, I mentioned both riveting games of Scrabble at the beach as well as cocktail creations, just like that transfusion. So if both these activities weren't so popular, I'd be worried I'm being watched. Now, the last example of this segment is Back on the Hill. And I want to thank again Mr. Timmy Bankshow for posting this article to the group me. And it is entitled, End of the Ski Lift, Amazon Patents Drone That Can Drag Skiers Up Mountains. Wait, what? That's right. Instead of hopping on the normal ski lift, you wait for a drone to come to your location. 
Now hear this out. The drone receives your location via phone app message, kind of like Uber for drones. The drone will then lower the rope and wait for you to hold on. Once you grab it, the drone begins to pull you up the side of a mountain. The patent says that extreme skiers can use the drones to take them up to remote ski areas that aren't serviced by lifts. And if you are in trouble, you could also call the drone to pull you back to safety. The system can also be used for surfing and water skiing. Now, that actually doesn't sound that bizarre, other than the fact that no one really has or owns a drone, and the people that do, I know one, I don't think it can tow 200 pounds for hours at a time, certainly in different weather conditions. But again, this technology certainly has applicability in the backcountry. So, you know, have that adventure skiers and riders, you know, work out the kinks. Now, in looking into this, and I think the article from, uh, I believe this was Unofficial Networks, did also link up a, a video featuring Casey Nestat, who moonlights as a fine damn Santa Claus. So if you have five minutes, you got to Google Casey Nestat and drone and just just smile in delight for the next five minutes. Now, moving on to a very familiar segment, Ski News of the Week. So a recent headline, Squaw Valley name change expected by summer 2021 from Rick Aron Cohen, president and chief operating officer. So Squaw Valley, at least in the Powderhounds podcast history, was featured in episode three. It was the home to the 1960 Winter Olympics, the beloved KT-22 chairlift, and of course, legendary terrain. And Mr. Cohen says, quote, we want to be clear that we know the founders had no intentions of causing offense in choosing this name for the resort, nor have any of our patrons who have spoken this word over the last seven decades since our grand opening on Thanksgiving Day in 1949. I also want to be clear that a host of casual podcast about skiing and riding feels the same way. It is not lost on me that an affectionately intended nickname, as well as a sticker on a very familiar helmet, had a run, short-lived as it was, and will be, and has been, retired. Mr. Cohen goes on to say, quote, the simple fact is the word squaw is now widely accepted as a racial and sexist slur towards indigenous women, and we can no longer ignore the pain caused by perpetuating the use of this term regardless of intent. So what comes next? Obviously, there's going to be a search for a new name. So the logical choice is that come to mind if they wanted to focus on the reputation of the ski area, one would suggest or think of Olympic Valley. If they wanted to actually go back to the roots of the region of the indigenous population, the Washu tribe is the nearest that lives there, and they could certainly go with Washu Valley. Uh, of course, just not even going in a new direction since they already have a, a bit of an identity with the current name. Just cut it in half and go with your second half of your name, Alpine Meadows. So there's a few options. I'm, I'm thinking that something within those, those three will probably become the, the, the logical choice, but they are expecting a decision in the summer of 2021. So stay tuned. Moving on to the main segment, winter is coming. Indeed it is. Now, 
It is September 1st, an ideal time to reach out to any and everyone you may possibly ski or ride with this upcoming season. Like literally start texting your friends and family right now (laughs) while the podcast is streaming along. Ask them what they are doing for a pass. Ask them what mountains they are planning or would like to ski this season. Plus, it would just be good to get a sense of where people are at with their expectations, their comfort level, and of course, their investment in a very uncertain season. With prices generally creeping up closer to opening day, and by the time lifts start spinning, there are no deals to be had. You know, the time is to make these connections now. Because what we know, still, I'm going to say it's still hot off the press. We received the... Well, the published letter from Vale Resorts, Rob Katz, the CEO, on the 2020-2021 winter operating plan. Now, this is the first major resort company to release a very detailed outline of their winter season safety plan. Make no mistake, this is big news. Remember, Vale owns and operates 34 ski areas in North America and have other partner resorts as well as uh, resorts in other countries. And many of them are the biggies with lots and lots of skiers, riders, season pass holders, and even non-skiing visitors, other family members who don't ski or ride. Now, overall, I am impressed by the approach. I will say that in all honesty, considering it is super complex and largely based on four critical unknown factors. The first, COVID prevalence in the local community or the region and shutdowns that may be unexpectedly mandated. Number two, state travel advisors. People traveling from states that are having an outbreak may not be allowed in, and they're certainly gonna have to follow some protocols if they do come and visit. And those are probably 14-day quarantines. Number three, open terrain. In order to keep skiers and riders spread out on the mountain, the terrain needs to be open, <laughs> needs to be skiable and uh, rideable. And we certainly know in some parts of the country that those days, you know, mountains conditions vary, certainly. And then finally, weather. And that's really about keeping skiers and riders outside as much as possible. So not just on the, on the various different parts of the mountain, but just outside and outside of the lodge. So those, four, those are the big four factors. Now keep in mind, what I'm gonna go through is only Vail's resorts plan. Though I'm sure every ski area will adopt an enhanced safety procedure and plan to reassure their customers and staff. Let's not forget about staff. No staff, no snow sports. So here we go, the plan. Now I'm gonna start with the not surprisings and then spends most of the time on the implications and opportunities. Number one, face masks are required on property at all times other than during the activity of skiing or snowboarding. So this is obviously not surprising. It is essential the mountains do everything they can and will to keep their staff, staff and guests safe. Number two, physical distancing, essentially social distancing. And to do this, they are creating or have created a reservation system. That is right. Vail Resorts is going to set a daily limit on the number of people allowed on each of its mountains. To access the resorts, skiers and riders will have to make a reservation in advance. Non-pass holders, non-season pass holders, will have to buy lift tickets in advance as none will be sold at the ticket window. 
The reservation system does not apply to Epic Pass partner resorts, which include Snow Basin, Telluride, and Sun Valley, as well as those international uh, resorts as well. Though it is expected that similar res reservation systems will likely be online at those resorts. So season pass holders reserve their days in two ways. The first is the quote-unquote core season from December 8th to April 4th. That's sort of the core season by, I guess they mean, where the resort's probably at 90%, you know, open on a normal snow season, and they have the most lifts running and that kind of thing. And during that core season, season pass holders can reserve seven priority days at a time. When one of those days is used, then you can reserve another. So you can always have seven days reserved, basically. And they are free to cancel and, and to reserve. The second option, again, for a season pass holder, is on top of that seven-day limit, you can add as many days there are available within the upcoming week. They call this the week of reservations. And that's based on just availability. So if you're monitoring the seven or 10 day forecast, you can still book out maybe seven days within you know, the upcoming seven days, even if you have say a February break or March break trip planned in the very distant future. Now, Vail Resorts did state that if crowd control is not an issue as initially feared, I, I put that in, they may scrap the entire system. So, so there's that. Uh, but from everything I've heard and read and maybe scrolled and came across, it seems that season pass sales have been st very strong. And some industry insiders believe that the fair weather skier or rider will not really bother coming out this season. So this plan, Vail Resorts plan, is all about the season pass holder and probably that annual week ski family, uh, vacation family, eyeing a February break, you know, spring break kind of trip. And uh, that's that's who they're going after. So now, so you got your pass, you got your reservation. Now you want to get on the chairlift in the gondola. So first, Vail Resorts intends to and can run as many lifts as they have, even if just a trail or two off that lift is even open. So again, they're trying to keep people moving, spread out as much as possible, even if say only a couple runs in a area is uh, open and obviously you're going to make your way to a, a different area eventually. So I'm not sure how that's going to work, but that is the intent. But secondly, more importantly, capacity will be restricted uh, on the chair or in a, inside a cabin to only related parties, except, so again, related parties being your family or people that you drove up with, your friends, people that you know. Those are the related parties that you can share a chairlift or gondola cabin with. Except singles, there will be a singles line and singles can sit on opposite sides of a quad or six pack or even a gondola. Although I would not want to imagine what the line would be like if only two people were getting on a gondola. <laughs> uh, also doubles, so you and your friend can sit on opposite sides of a sixer with two other strangers. Again, keeping those two middle seats open. Now it's probably safe to assume that lift lines will certainly stretch out. They simply have to, to likely load people since that process is going to be very different and <laughs> it's going to be a learning experience for both the staff and the skiers and riders and you certainly do not want to be the person who screws up the line and messes up the chair 
you know, the, get in the right chair and, and the flow. You will certainly hear about it. You will get snowballs pelted at you, and you certainly don't want to fall off the lift while it's being uh, while you're loading on it. <laughs> I can just see that really ruining someone's day. Now, in the FAQs on chairlifts, gondolas, and lift lines, Vale does express confidence that on most days, quote, skiers and riders should be able to spread out on the mountains so lift lines won't be horrendous all day. I added the horrendous all day. Um, I'm paraphrasing what they wrote. So again, I'm going to remain optimistic, uh, but I think that uh, you know the idea that skiers and riders will be spread out uh, is is probably going to be a reach unless you're at 100% capacity, snowmaking's good, or it's a good snowfall. Moving on to restaurants. Again, this isn't anything here is surprising, but it's just worth noting. Uh, quick service restaurants or cafeterias will likely only have, well, it, it says, will only have hot and cold to-go options in order to accommodate as many people as possible. No custom orders, no cash unless state law dis- dictates so, and no bars. Not surprising, but just let that sick sink in for a moment. You know, the best hope of Opre ski scene is probably outdoor areas, likely with limited access or even drink limits, which may not be a bad thing for day trippers, but uh, we certainly haven't heard too much about that other than folks want to have something to maybe look forward to after they're done skiing. And I found this interesting. Quote, we will also encourage guests to bring water, snacks, and other food with them on the mountain to ensure they stay hydrated and have the energy needed for their ski day. End quote. So it sounds like brown bags are okay in the lodge. And I think I confirmed that in the FAQs. But, you know, it might not seem that worth it, right? While the word word tailgating was not specifically referenced, one must assume that there will be some kind of latitude for people having lunch in their cars. I mean, unless you find a cozy little spot in the woods, you know, you might want to, I don't know, sit down in a chair, maybe be out of the elements temporarily. And if you can't do it in the lodge, your car is your next best bet. And I mean, most people aren't going to want to mess around in, in, in the lot. You know, you're going to want to eat, go, and get back on the uh, get back on the slopes, get your laps in. Uh, moving on to rentals, um, nothing too surprising here other than the they're looking to increase rental deliveries. So if you're staying overnight, the Vail Resorts uh, will try to have your equipment delivered to you, maybe the before the evening before or the morning of, super early. Maybe you'll wake up and skis, poles, and boots will be there. Uh, and then on lessons in ski school, did not expect how, you know, this, how complicated this would be. But the big takeaway here is um, lessons will be limited to six students. There are some concerns about instructors not being able to, international instructors not being able to, uh, you know, get to uh, some, of the res- some of the ski areas. So there will probably be capacity restraint. Uh, Limits just on the availability of lessons, let alone the number of students in the class. And then finally, um, this is the most important part, uh, all participants for, again, lessons ski school will be required to undergo and confirm an online self-health screening prior to arriving at the mountain for their lesson. Again, I think this is the contact, uh, contact tracing plan so that if there was to be uh, someone that became positive, they could quickly look back up and see who was in those, uh, those groups. So that's sort of the the main takeaways, and I have a little bit of analysis that I have not uh, uh, included yet, and then we will move on. 
So the first thing comes to mind is adults, that skiers and riders. So if you're an adult meeting up with other adults and don't mind using your car as a makeshift lodge, all systems are pretty much go. Unless you are part of a ski club with an annual destination or multiple weekend trips. Coordinating that is going to be tricky. Beyond those priority seven days in the core season, you really can't book anything else unless you are looking you know, in that week of sort of window, and that's usually not uh, how group trips are planned. So that'll be interesting to see if some, there's some flexibility to the group reservation systems. And if it extends, you know, if it's treated the same way between season pass holders and non-season pass holders. So that's the first thing, just adults. Well, the second group, families. Now, it's not nearly as simple for families. People in the same, but the good news is people in the same family do make a reservation together. And they set that up under, under their own online account on their Epic Pass. So there, at least there's that. You don't have to worry about not being able to ski with your your spouse or your kids, you will make those reservations together. However, there is no childcare going to be offered on the mountain at Vail Resorts. Their focus is on the on-mountain operations and the uh, outdoor experience. Now, people in our ski group have used childcare before on trips, so that is a major issue. And we'll see what options, if there are even any other options, in the local community, in the ski town. Of course, children are needy. (laughs) I should know, five months old. Um, But you won't be skiing anytime soon. However, for the ones that are a little bit older, you got potty breaks, you got weather breaks, you got hunger breaks, you got I'm tired breaks. And not being able to know if you can actually access the lodge is gonna be tricky to navigate. And then I was thinking about other kids, you know, just school trips. Are they likely not going to happen this year? Are the schools liable if someone on a school trip gets sick after going on a, on a ski trip? I don't know, but that sounds like, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be um, kind of tricky. And I would imagine the, resu- the ski areas depend on those school trips for a lot of their, uh, their lift ticket sales. Plus, you know, if you still have all those people, those kids and their families that are now still interested in skiing and riding, that means, but they're, they can't go on these, these school trips or the bus trips, that means a lot more cars might be on the roads and filling up the parking lots faster on uh, otherwise, um, you know, already busy ski days. So again, those are the first two groups, adults and families, sort of the implications. Uh, and then finally, on the small ski areas. So I'm not talking about Altera, their main competitor here. I'm talking about the small, maybe independent ski areas. There's no way that those smaller areas are going to have the same capacity and resources to that of Vail's plan. Comparing plans from Vail Resorts to a small, independently owned ski area is like comparing, let's go with apples to panda bears. Though in this analogy, as I'm thinking about it, It would be cute to see a panda eat an apple. I don't know that they do eat apples, but if we take that into the ski world, that would be like a mega resort scooping up a small resort. And let's let's not do that right now. Um, (laughs) 
But from a competitive advantage perspective, I'd imagine the smaller hills will pivot in some way to really emphasizing the local, convenient, easy access uh, to their skiing experience. And, you know, that sounds pretty good, you know, supporting or embracing sort of the local movement. We do that with food. We do that with other things. Breweries, certainly. Uh, so maybe capitali capitalizing on that theme. I'm going to have to go back to that word tailgating. Again, not explicitly mentioned in Vail Resorts plan or even their FAQs, but independently run resorts, as long as they own their property and parking lot, you know, they have some flexibility that a corporation does not. So they really could create like a different yet still fun, yet still as safe as you can be environment, maybe by doubling down on the parking lot scene. And, you know, that could be a good option. So again, you're thinking of your car as your sort of personal and your parking space for that matter, you know, mini lodge with maybe a pop-up tent, some camping chairs. You know, again, I could see how folks would get concerned that that tailgating scene could get out of hand and you know, all of a sudden reflect a, uh, you know, concert, summer concert tailgate. But I really think that, you know, that's people getting out of hand is, is really the exception rather than the norm. You know, you drove all the way up there, you know, you paid the money, you want to get in your, your runs, your, you want to get in your laps. And, you know, again, to create the scene, you could have food trucks scattered about or in designated areas. You could have maybe apres spots, you know, outdoor sort of roped areas with uh, maybe, you know, a couple local live bands playing in different parts of the parking lot. Maybe that would only work on the weekends or something. But, you know, just something to kind of have a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a scene that would, uh, you know, help people not just break up your day, but, you know, if you if you can't get in the lodge and you can't get lunch, you know, maybe, hey, well, at least there's something going in the parking lot while we take our, you know, half hour break or whatever. So, I, you know, I think that's certainly an opportunity that, uh, that the small areas may be able to, um, you know, take advantage of. And we'll see if they do. The remaining challenges. Bathrooms, of course. You know, the usual morning rush, the cattle car line, there's people just not making eye contact in the morning. That's still going to be a thing. Day trippers will most certainly need to use the facilities upon arrival. So that scene is still going to be an issue. I've done way too much COVID reading and research over the weeks and months, and I don't even want to picture the, the plume scene, but there's been so many references to plumes, and uh, you know, just beware of that plume. And uh, a lot of older, non-modern facilities certainly don't have the best ventilation, so just got to keep that stuff in mind, stay safe, and, and really, um, I, you know, I hope, I hope, you know, hope. The, the operations staff are doing everything they can to keep that as safe as possible. Um, number two, pun not intended, but that was well-timed. Uh, just calling it early for bad weather. I think that um, my my thought was thinking of Alta and Snowbird up there in Cottonwood, Little Cottonwood Canyon and their interlodge protocols where everyone has to stay inside, sometimes for overnight. You know, how are they going to deal with that? I don't know. But, um, you know, even smaller hills uh, may only have one or, you know, two lodges and certainly could not fit everyone if the weather's bad um, and how they're going to manage that. Of course, you could go back to your car and hang out, but thinking about idling cars, just creating this toxic, you know, cloud in the parking lot doesn't really seem that great. Um, and I know that would be a concern of any tailgating too, but um, at least, you know, maybe 
you can, you know, have your, you don't have to have your engine running, uh, at all. If it's, um, if it's a decent day, uh, number three, making sure pass holders feel like they got their money's worth. Now I join all fellow optimists hoping for a great winter season, but you just don't know. Um, but the back to basics, less distractions, finding more meaning, appreciating nature, as Mike Kaplan at Aspen said much more eloquently, you know, that um, that's going to be part of, I think, selling the value, right? Um, as long as you can get in your laps, you'll sacrifice the, you know, waffles, although the waffles are a tasty treat, but, you know, the food in the lodge, you'll sacrifice maybe demo day as long as you can get some, uh, get on the chairlift, get some, get some good runs in and uh, obviously go home and, and be healthy. And, um, you know, again, just making sure pass holders feel like, you know, they got their value out of their, their, their money, their, their purchase, you know, making sure we, we all encourage being patient and, you know, really trying to, you know, keep our <laughs> friends and family in line if they have a bad experience. Um, you know, again, the staff are going to be trying their hardest. And uh, I know it doesn't take uh, that many, you know, uh, complaints to go viral um, for, you know, some, some, some ill will and some, some bad press to, uh, you know, make, make, uh, threaten, you know, the, 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 the ski season at some, in some ski areas. So let's be patient. Let's stay safe. Um, yeah. And then taking care of staff was the fourth and final sort of challenge. You know, this Vail plan, Vail resorts plan is customer facing and protecting staff is a whole different plan. Now, there are some references to staff where they interact with customers and they will be wearing face masks. They will be uh, behind plexiglass shields in certain, you know, parts of the operation in the rental, uh, certainly the rental facilities. They'll be receiving training and, and tons and tons of literal, literally tons of hand sanitizer. Although I'm, I'm wondering if every chairlift bar is going to be wiped down and, and that would just be, wow, that would just be so much cleaning supply, uh, even just for, you know, a morning, let alone the entire season. So, you know, again, uh, you know, that's, that's just gonna be something to watch. So bottom line, thank staff, whenever you see them, thank the ski patrols, they're gonna have to deal with people that they're, you know, they don't know if they're, you know, um, maybe, you know, COVID positive, um, and they're gonna be putting themselves at risk. So I think the thank you to staff volunteers at the ski areas needs to become the new selfie. Everybody needs to do it. All right. And, uh, you should, you know, hopefully that'll make them feel good and, uh, it'll make you feel good in return. So my expectations to close this section out is to plan to be outside all day. You know, I'm probably going to avoid Saturdays if it's possible and try to meet up with friends on weekdays. I mentioned, <laughs> haven't done it yet, but I mentioned actually trying to maybe swap a Tuesday or Wednesday with a Saturday, you know, just work wise, um, with, you know, talk to my boss about that, you know, just to, um, you know, do my part to, 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 to not be on the mountain on a Saturday. But, um, you know, if, if you want to actually ski and ride on certain days, you'll need a season pass at some, you know, resort or uh, ski area. That's probably how it's going to work unless it's, a, you know, a, a, a ski area that just doesn't have capacity issues. But you got to think that, you know, state laws will probably still be in place unless there's just major breakthroughs in um, the, so the, um, the limits being on mass gatherings is, is what I meant. And, um, 
you know, so so they might have no choice but to only allow a certain amount of people. So even the smaller hills may have some some problems accommodating everybody. So I think you kind of have to have a season pass if you really want to be able to ski on certain, you know, holidays or certain weekends that you've always gone on, long weekends kind of thing. And uh, they are on sale now and uh, will we'll be going on sale, um, one of which uh, uh, I think, yeah, they're all on sale by now on September 1st. And, um, you know, just for the Vail Resorts, for the Epic Pass holder, the seven priority days does seem kind of low. It probably should be at least 14 days, you know, just to give pass holders a little bit more security. If for some reason, you know, they pick, they happen to pick the week where A, you know, virus is spiking in their state. So they're on a travel advisory to have to quarantine when they actually get to that, you know, mountain town. And then on, you know, and then B, if they get there, whether or not there's a travel advisory from where they're coming from, they get there and there's an issue, you know, in that community. And then just like a lot of people found out, unfortunately, the hard way in this past March spring break week, um, you know, you get there and then you won't be able to ski or ride. And that obviously would be terrible. You don't want to get to that point. But I'm, I'm just thinking that to have a little bit more security, maybe you'd be able to book 14 days, you know, two separate weeks and uh or a week and then you know three weekends something like that and then still be able to you know book uh your week of really chasing the powder days that way so that's just something that we'll see how it goes and then finally you know just the deadline to buy at the lowest prices at least for uh vale resorts the epic pass they extended that deadline from september 7th to september 17th so folks have a few more about 10 days to to mold this all over while I was considering Epic for my 20, 2021 ski season, for me, coming from Hartford, Connecticut, unfortunately not Hartford, Vermont, it's a hike to the closest participating mountains in the Northeast, although they are easily accessed on uh, off uh, I-91. So instead, I'm planning to buy an Indy Pass. I'm going to do it. Uh, probably tonight, actually, as my uh, excitement's peaking a bit for... Uh, <laughs> It just went on sale, as I understand it today, and um, I am I'm just I think I'm ready to make that decision. So again, quick review there. It's uh, you know it's a, a co-op or I guess a, a group of independently run ski areas that are doing uh, I think it's 56, maybe 50, 52. Anyway, um, it's 200 bucks. And at least for me, coming from my area, I have access to seven mountains. Two days at each mountain is how it works within, uh, yeah, less than three-hour drive. So that's pretty good. And if I wanted to drive, if I didn't mind driving four hours, it ticks up to 11 mountains. And uh, I think most of them I've never been to. Now, um, and and the best part about it is they have a really easy-to-understand credit policy. There's really a very short FAQ. <laughs> use one day. If you use one day of this pass, uh you get a 75% credit towards the same pass next season. You use two days, 50% credit to next season. Three days, 25% credit to next season. And if you ski four days on the pass, the pass essentially pays for itself. And that's it. No hassle, no fine print. There's really no blackout dates. I think there's maybe three, and they're all mountains out west. Um, and, you know, I'm okay sacrificing elevation and vertical to convenience and uh, more day trip options. I think that's just sort of where, where we're going to still be. 
and it'll be different. Certainly be memorable, but hopefully maybe this will be a, a way to make it a good memorable ski season. And depending on how things go, who knows? I may buy up. There's, you know, plenty of, you know, promotions, so-called packs, you know, buy a three-pack, a four-pack, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just got to pay attention to those refund or credit policies. Uh, sometimes they are, um, you know, use it or lose it, even if, uh, you know, there's a suspension to the season. And, um, yeah, you know, I figure if my friends, I'm sure there will be some, some, some in the ski group that are, are still going to go forward with Epic, and, and they, they should, especially if you live in Ludlow um, or Icon, and um, I'll just buddy pass up uh, if those opportunities to ski and ride come up. So, um, yeah, that's sort of what I got for the Big Veil Resorts table setting, releasing their plan for the upcoming ski season. And in that plan, all of my lingering questions were pretty much answered from the last pod. And uh, again, I asked about group reservations, uh, how far you can book in advance. We already went through the core season and the week of bookings. Uh, I wondered if season pass holders would get preference. It was the case at uh, one resort in Australia that did not. They gave all. They treated all people wanting to ski equally, even if they had a season pass at those resorts. Uh, but there were ones that did, did give preference, and Vale Resorts is going with preference to all season pass holders, as they probably should. <laughs> And then finally, uh, do you pay out once? Yes. You know, again, people in the same household make one reservation and presumably they've already bought their season pass or their Vail Resorts product, uh, you know, single day lift ticket. I also had a question about access to the lodge for non-skiers and riders, the typical family member who doesn't ski. Can they hang out in the lodge? Uh, Vail actually had an FAQ specifically on this. What about my non-skiing guests? They said we ask that non-skiing and non-riding guests plan to limit their time in our lodges to ensure that all guests are able to utilize these facilities. So pretty kind of vague, but you know they're they've they've thought about that um, those those people. So so yeah, maybe you split your time in the car in the lodge. Uh, I don't know. And then finally, the sort of the again out of state uh, visitors, sort of the travel ban issue and. Uh, while it didn't address it specifically, ongoing public health guidance is guiding their this plan. So it's sort of the big umbrella issue. Um, and the point here is really for out-of-staters to understand and follow the latest state travel advisories, both from the state you are leaving from and live in to where you're going, and uh, to pay attention and follow those protocols. So that's what I got. And uh, again, thank you, uh, Vail Resorts, for getting that out and giving us uh, some, giving me at least time to chew it up a little bit. But uh, again, I uh, I think it's a good 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 first start. Certainly setting the table and the bar uh, fairly high. So with that, we're gonna move on to ooh fun segment time. The games return. In the intro, I said I'm calling this C, 10-question trivia. And that's uh, a little shout-out to Beamer, guest on the former Haystack episode. Hopefully you hear this and get a little chuckle out of that. So, uh, again, I mentioned in my Shutdown Survival Kit segment that online trivia has been a thing I've done a little bit of. So in the Trivia AD spirit Listeners, get out your pens and paper or just pop up the Notes app on your phone and see how much you know about the world of snow. 
<laughs> that looked better when I typed it out. Um, I'm going to read through 10 questions. And then to see the answers, go to our Twitter, at PowderhoundSkis. I'll be posting them probably tomorrow. So here we go. Number one, what North American ski area announced a name change? That came up in an earlier segment today. Number two, what is the name of the Vermont sports determined, quote, gnarly trail, end quote, at Cannon Mountain? Now, a hint here is, again, according to Vermont sports, this trail wasn't cut for skiing or riding. It was cut as the most direct route to the top of the mountain for the tram. Leave it there. Number three, to keep people outside and limit indoor use, what ski area spokesperson said that tailgating may be not only allowed, but encouraged this winter season? A hint, I talked about that on the last pod. Number four, what New Hampshire ski area defied logic? when launching season pass sales and increased prices for the upcoming season pass. So I talked about this during that former Haystack episode, and one of my guests actually called this mountain uh, his home mountain. Number five, what longtime ski area CEO and former Wall Street exec recently retired after having owned and led a Northeast resort for 20 years? Here's a hint. Well, I talked about the last episode. He was the first to throw out the idea to do Opry outside at one of the ski area's two base areas. Number six, what new Northeast Pass debuted today, September 1st, and will remain on sale through October 12th? Now, this actually could be a trick question, but this, uh, yeah, I'll accept either. Yeah. There's actually two that went on sale today, September 1st. Number seven, what discounted online lift ticket company filed bankruptcy after a 15-year run? Unfortunately, the hint here is they allegedly owed over $3 million in unpaid debts debts, uh, stemming from lift ticket sales. Number eight, Uh, what Colorado ski area is known for its signature spring on mountain event, kayaks on snow? So I chuckled there because this is the total wild card question, and I referenced uh, Charlie from oh, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> wild card, bitches. So yeah, the uh, <laughs> so I actually didn't reference this um, mountain or event on the pod yet. I just came across the video in my feed. But uh, yeah, I definitely want to check it out. It's uh, it's a pretty fun two-minute video when you get a chance. Number nine, what once powerhouse of online ski and snowboard information announced that they will shut down for good this summer? Uh, the hint I wrote here is their app is probably still on your phone, probably unused for a while now, so it's safe to delete. I know, that's kind of cheap. Cheap shot, sorry. And number 10, what, quote, legendarily irrelevant print magazine that featured the writings of Hunter S. Thompson and others was purchased by a young entrepreneur eager to revive the title that has been dormant since 2012, end quote. And I'm actually pretty excited about this. 
uh, I've just scanned one article, but uh, I, I really like what uh, what what this one's about, and I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be supporting it. So that's it. You have it there. Your C ten question trivia. So again, I'm going to post the answers on Twitter at Powderhound Skis after the pod. So check it out, and yeah, even let me know your scores. One of these days, we're gonna have some prizes for not just our our guests participants in the games but for our listeners so we're, we're building up we're getting there soon moving on to our final segment listener questions the first one from oh, i'm calling this too many cars this is from terry from middleborough massachusetts he says is anyone talking about all the extra vehicles lots more people are driving solo so lots will fill up both the word lot is uh, in caps. <laughs> Good question. Um, I'm thinking maybe, maybe not. So maybe, yeah, bus trips are out and now all those people need to drive individually. School trips are out. Now all those people are going to need to drive individually. And of course, you know, people meeting up along the highway to carpool may now not do that. may not be comfortable doing it. But cutting back the other way, you know, maybe not. Families normally travel together, and if there are racing programs that go on, they'll still be traveling together. You know, day trippers are probably already meeting friends at the mountain, so they're already driving their own car. And groups staying overnight or for a weekend are probably bubbling together, so they would certainly be comfort- uh, comfortable carpooling to the mountain. You know, plus the whole reservation system really may keep people um, and their vehicles in check again that fair weather skier rider but it's a good question and again if i'm I'm hoping that you know the parking lot scene is is a part of the experience this year Uh, again um within safety guidelines and not getting out of control but doing it responsibly Uh, and um you know that uh so you know we'll 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 see and uh, we'll certainly need the space to do that um This one I'm calling Veil Plan Doesn't Sound Like Much Fun. Beach Anyone? Question mark. That's from Mary, Ludlow, Vermont, with the home mountain of Okemo, right down the road. All right, this is, uh, I'll be honest, this is a fellow New England powderhound, our co-captain of our ski group, ski instructor extraordinaire, and co-owner of the B&B. Mare Bear, hang in there. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible. You know, you're, you know, your home base, Ludlow is pretty good for the local, I think the Northeast local pass at the very least, you know, avoiding Saturdays when, of course, your ski group is probably going to want to meet up uh, and you'll be just fine. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I certainly understand the confidence in the ski group is low this season. And, uh, yeah, the beach kind of does sound like a fun alternative, but uh, I don't know. How are we going to get there in December? I guess we will wait and see. Road trip to Florida, anybody? Anyway, those are uh, some good questions. Took a little liberty there and appreciate it. But uh, thanks again, listeners, and keep the goods coming. Bottom line, we are creeping closer to the 2020-2021 ski season. And while Vale's plan is just one of what will be many, it does set the bar pretty darn high. I'm sure eager to see what other ski areas have in mind. We shall see. That does it. Thank you again to my listeners. Follow me on Twitter at Powderhound Skis, or better yet, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. 
and Google Podcast Manager. Just type Powderhound Ski and Ride. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. <laughs>